Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. My guest today is a veteran video games artist who has worked on games such as Age of Empires 3 and The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD. I'd like to welcome this veteran, Emily McGregor. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for taking time out to talk to me. Um, and you're putting your feet up with your coffee. It's good. <laughs> sure am. Early morning. <laughs> I'm getting into it. <laughs> so I, I suppose uh, given the plethora of skills that you have, in terms of being an artist, what would you say is the most difficult? Is it the sculpting? Is it the modeling? Is it the texturing? Hmm. The most difficult. I think it's just you never stop learning. Um, art is one of those things that you're just constantly trying to find like new mediums or new processes, um, especially in video games. There always seems to be something new that's come up, like it's sort of a new program that's, you know, been invented or it's like, oh, there's an update to the engine that you're using. So if you're using Unreal and a new version comes out, you've got to learn that. Um, so I'd say it's it's probably one of the hardest, but also one of the most interesting as well, because you're always trying to to push your skills to be on that that cutting edge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So do, is there particular websites you follow or is it just kind of being chucked in the deep end and then you learn it? Yeah, it's um, <laughs> a lot of self-taught. Like I think like when you're at uni, you get like the basics and that's good and everyone can go through, here's how you do all the things. But then after that, you're sort of, you're on your own. Um, so YouTube is um, like endless hours of um, tutorials on there now, which is great. Uh, that wasn't really available when I was studying, but I think for yeah, the yeah. students now, that's like probably one of the best. Um, Art Station. Oh, yes. Also um, on like Level 80. Mm. Another website that's, um, yeah, just says anything that's got lots of tutorials or forums where people are sort of like sharing ideas. Yeah. So are you able to, if you play a video game, are you able to enjoy it or do you start looking at the artwork and picking it apart and thinking, hmm, I would do this differently or I could make this better? Mm. <laughs> it does depend how, how well the game's done. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, if the, the game is a bit unpolished, I would definitely start picking it apart. If you start looking at things saying like, oh, there's a big seam in that rock or like <laughs> what's going on, the light is going on weird. But I think the sign of a good game is when I can get really lost in it mm. and I can get really immersed and I'm not thinking about work at all. Like I think, yeah, they've, they've done it really well. Because you can spend so much time on the most minuscule thing, can't you, mm. when it comes to art artwork? Like even, as you said, like a rock, for example, you could spend yeah. so much time just on, on one rock and, and you never get, do you ever get tedious with it? It's like, oh, I'm overdoing this rock. Or are you just always like, nah, I'm going to make this the be best rock possible. Obviously, I think, <laughs> I think a lot of artists do want to do that. We tend to narrow in, like, especially if you're making, like, say, if you're just looking at the one rock on your screen, it's huge. So to you, it's everything. Like, oh, I'm going to make this perfect. It's great. And then someone says it in the game and it's this tiny little thing in the background. Um, so I think like, the longer I've been in video games, it's sort of about balancing how you do that detail and sort right. of like where is, where is good to put your time, especially now like I'm moving into management. So I'm sort of helping like the younger artists um, look for those ways as well. It's like, oh, it's good to spend 
that much time on that, you know, it's going to have that level of detail, but uh, it's probably best to spend it on like the gun or something that's going to be like really close and upfront for the player. Yeah, because I've heard that it's all about planning in advance with any type of modeling, like even mm. with a 3D model and it's all about deconstructing it and turning it into shapes, right? Like if you're referencing, say, a Google image and you're looking at it and how to break it down into shapes, is that is that a method that you really follow? Yeah, it, it sort of it depends whether you're doing environments or characters as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you definitely sort of look at like – the whole like the whole thing before you start and just sort of break it down and be like, all right, what what bit can I do in which program? Mm. Even like so you might do a lot of sculpting in say like um ZBrush or Maya or Blender, but then you might do a lot of the details in Substance, which is just like a painting program. So there's a lot of different ways that you can add detail now at different stages. Mm. So with um gaming studios, do they kind of try and get you to do a lot of different things so if you're working on a character model then after you finish that character model they might move you into doing something environmental based Mm. or do you tend to only be focused in on one specific area yeah usually you specialize yeah um so like artists will be like a specific thing like i'm a character artist or i'm an environment artist and uh, a lot of studios will have like teams of those sort of people the really small teams, though, like if you're on a little indie game that's, you know, some got like two people working on it, then everyone does everything. Yeah, you might end up doing the audio as well and the UI and things like that. So mostly, yeah, it comes down to team size. Yeah. Oh, well, do you prefer smaller teams or bigger teams? I think I've, I've done quite a range. I think um, the bigger teams are good. Like I really like um, how much you can get done like when you can get a whole big team together it's um quite rewarding mm. to get like a really big project so how how big was the team when you worked on twilight princess zelda twilight princess hd was that a big team was it a small team um it was sort of a medium-sized team i guess i think there was about maybe 10 programmers and then it was a few artists and then we outsourced all the artwork to another company that was near us as well. So I was running the um, outsourcing with them. And so that was about another 20 artists. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And how did that, how did that go? Were you just in a meeting and that, and the announcement just came out of nowhere? Like, oh, you guys will be doing the HD version of Twilight Princess. How did that actually come about? Usually, um, so the studio that I was at then uh, did a lot of ports. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, Cantalus. usually games that yeah you take one game and turn it into something for another console. Um, and so we would be constantly pitching. So you're always just like writing like um, like pitch decks that are just like a slideshow or something like that that you can send to someone and go, hey, we can take your game and make it awesome for whatever reason. So usually like sending those pictures out to people. Um, And then when you get one back, that's when you can start working on it or you start a deal, um, something like that. And I think my boss at the time already had a relationship with Nintendo. So he already like, yeah, was had quite a few conversations with them already. And yeah, we did the pitch and we got it. Uh, It's usually like a few studios are going for it at the same time. 
So you might be able oh, to right. other places. Yeah. So you're going like, oh, we can do it for this much or we can do this level of detail, you know, that sort of thing. Because how do you work out the budgeting in terms of that, right? So I'd say with Twilight Princess, how did you know what would be required and how long it would take? Mm. And, and, and working out a budge, budget from that, knowing that obviously you're competing against other studios as well. Yeah, I think it's something that um, it does take a lot of time, I think, like <laughs> just like being in the industry for a long time and knowing like how long things take and that sort of thing. So um, our managers there, the studio directors put together the budget sort of based on estimates, like you'd have a chat to the programmers and the artists and be like, so how long would this sort of thing take? And, you know, you, you pretty much have to guess a lot of stuff. Well, it's educated guesses, but um, a lot of it's like, well, we've done this before. How long would this artwork take or how long would this particular part of the program take to, you know, rewire? Oh, okay. And then, yeah, how many people? And so it's quite an involved process to sort of work out, like, what are the sort of projected costs that it might be? Yeah, because you don't want to avoid, well, you do want to avoid a situation where you have crunch, mm. where you've given... Well, you've given a deadline for that amount of money and then for whatever reason, because curveballs always happen and with this stuff, right? Yeah. As, as you know, so it would be very hard to try and work out where that line is, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think it just does keep evolving over lots of projects. Like, So, mm. like, the first pitch that you do, maybe you get that wrong, you know, like mm. maybe you find out, oh, you actually have to do a lot of overtime if you want to do it for that budget or that amount of people. Yeah. So with Twilight Princess HD, was there something specifically that was the most difficult to do or that kind of caught you off guard? Um, it wasn't a particularly difficult project. I think the only frustrating thing was that, um, we were only changing the textures, not the models. Um, so because it because it was such an old game, um, all of the models are still quite blocky. Yes, that's right. And then you're putting these lovely new textures on them. So it's like trying to make that look right. So mm. if you've got a mountain that's all square, but then you put a nice HD texture on it, it doesn't quite gel as good as if you could have just updated the uh, geometry a little bit as well. Was that ever considered to update the character models as well, or was it? Yeah, so that was all part of the original um, sort of agreement that it was just like, yep, just the the textures, the UI, and also making it work. So a lot of the programming was fixed up as well. A lot of the bugs were taken out because as soon as you port it to a new uh, console, it's yeah, gonna have a lot of bugs and things like that. So so ironing all that out. So would you work in conjunction with the programmers from an artist standpoint? Um, because I'm not exactly sure how this works, but mm. if you change if you change textures or you start upgrading textures, that can s start messing with the the programming and the coding sometimes. Can't it? Yeah, because um, because you're working with an old game, so mm. you're working with old code. Um, as soon as you try and update that, lots of different things happen. So as soon as you touch one thing, it sort of like unravels. Like, oh, okay. So now I've got to, we've got to fix this bit, and then we've got to fix that bit. Right. So a domino effect of of problems. Yeah. Oh, that sounds horrible. So like, if you're <laughs> if you're starting a game, there's sort of a difference between ports, I guess, and like a new game. Because if you're starting one from scratch, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna use 
the, this particular art, we know we've got this level that we're aiming to, like say you're aiming to like Xbox or PC, uh, you mm. sort of know from the start where, where you're going to be. Um, but with an old game, uh, there's a lot of unknowns because you've got to start taking it apart and going like, oh, is this still going to work when we put it back together? Like, so how long does that take? Because obviously you'd have to do all that stuff first and plan it in accordance mm. with with that when you start adding in uh, finer details in terms of textures. I think overall that project was about a year and a half. A year and a half? Yeah. And it was just upgrades of textures? So that was... Yeah, the textures, the updated programming, yeah. uh, UI, and also the controls. Ah, oh, um, yes, yes. Yeah, because it was going um, from a controller to then being able to use, like, the Wii controllers as well. Ah, uh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So would you focus on one area at a time? So, like, say you and your team, you do one area and then move on to the next area and then the next area. Is that how it's done or is it all over the place and you're working on multiple things at different times or every it specific is, um, artist? Yeah, it is a lot of multiple things. Um, you probably have like the programming and the engineers would be working on like specific areas. Like they'll be working on a lot of gameplay sort of areas and control and things like that. Um, if we need them to work on anything uh, first, like sometimes the programmers will have to write programs so we can get the textures in, uh, things like that. Like there's a lot of times where the artists can't start straight away. Ah, uh, oh, so what are the artists doing while they're waiting for that? So, yeah, that's time like where you'd be doing concept or things like that or sort of planning, uh, looking through like, yeah, the different areas of the game would also be trying to... Um, yeah, take apart what is there, like make sure we don't miss anything, uh, you know, sort of organising it all in the background before we can get started. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of break it down into different areas after that. So I had like um, one whole biome. It was like a sort of desert area and that was like the area oh, that yes. I was working on for a while. It was like just mine so I would make sure that, yeah, it was all right. But another artist might have or like the forest little town area. So they just spend like a month making that look good. Uh, it sort of helps having an artist on one area sometimes because they sort of know the whole thing and they can make it really consistent, like get a good look over that whole area. Mm. Is there certain uh, areas or certain, I suppose, environmental things that are diff more difficult to do than others? Like sand would be very different to water. That would be very different to ice. Mm. Mm. They, yeah, they all have their own challenges. Uh, like these days there is so much more we can do now. Like the, the things you can do on, on PC and Xbox now with environments is amazing. But, yeah, back then like had to do a lot of tricks, I think, like sort of early days of, um, yeah, sort of consoles. Yeah. A lot of it is illusion. I can try to find all these the tricky ways to like create particle effects and things like that because you know the computers weren't as powerful. Um, so there's not um, as much realism that you can put into the graphics. Mm. So probably water was one of the most difficult. I mean, making water look right. Uh, 
Because you don't have access to, you know, a lot of those sort of like really nice shaders that we see now where everything's like, oh, you've got all this beautiful subsurface and like, like um, it was sort of more like it, just like flat planes or you'd have like, you know, just like see-through bits and it was quite basic. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were doing a port of something that was, say, done in Unreal Engine 3 or something, that would be that would be a lot easier to do, would it, because of the the, the engine that it's on and the different tools you can utilize to make it uh, better or cleaner. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it'd be a much simpler progress uh, process to sort of bring, yeah, something from an old Unreal into new Unreal. Uh, there's sort of a lot you could you could do there to really jazz it up. Um, but when you're using something like uh, on Zelda, for example, all the, the engine was uh, written just for that game. Uh, so a lot of it too is like figuring out how it works. Right. And yeah. do, does Nintendo actually give you a lot of the tools or do you actually have to work it out on your own? Yeah. You know how secretive like... they are. So yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. pretty secretive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we have uh, a lot of chats with them as well. So if anyone was around who worked on the original one, we would have uh, meetings with them as well. So the engineers could talk to each other and be like, oh, how did that bit actually work? How do we... How do we redo that? Yeah. Because you guys did so many ports. I mean, you must gain gained uh, so much knowledge in terms of all the different companies and how, what their work ethic and the way they do their engineering and artwork and so forth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you and, do um, end up with uh, quite a good knowledge of like all the, the different ones, I guess. That's probably why companies will pitch to the same one a lot as well because it's like oh we've worked with them before like you know like we worked with microsoft and we're like oh we know how that works we know where the people are there you know um so it's uh quite quite good to be able to just roll onto another project with the same people yeah yeah for sure i mean were you aware that tantalus was known for ports and all that when you first uh, joined them yeah 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 i joined almost Straight out of uni. Um, I was at another place, Firemint, doing phone games. Oh, yes. Uh, for about almost a year. And then, yeah, went over to Tantalus. That's a bit of a jump, isn't it? Phone games to full studio games? Yeah. Because um, I was I was new to the industry as well. I was like, oh, I want to try, try doing different things. And, you know. and phone games were not what, what we think um, back then either because this was like early... 2009, I think. Oh, so. yeah, very, very different time. Very yeah, different I'm making, time. like, phone games for, like, Nokias and stuff. Like, the screens were, like, this big. <laughs> so <laughs> when you first when you first joined Tantalus, was it a lot of uh, just check you in the deep end and here you go, learn? <laughs> um, a little bit, but it was a, a pretty big studio when I joined. Uh, so there was lots of other artists that I could learn from. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I had like, yeah, an art director, lead artist and a few other people. Um, so even being a junior, like there was a lot of room to sort of be like given a task that's not too like high pressure. So, so sort of given like a learning task, like here's this one, load paint this texture. Uh, I was working on a pony game at the time. So I was like just um, painting a lot of accessories and stuff for the horses and coming up with ideas for that. 
Right. So do you do you brainstorm in advance? Like you get what you're, I mean, you get a task to do and then you kind of brainstorm in your head how you're going to go about doing the task or do you just do it and then as you're doing it, you're kind of working out what you did wrong and what you're doing right? Yeah, you usually want to work it out from the start. Like you'll have like um, sort of like you'd have a brief from your lead artist usually. So it's like this is the sort of thing we want. Like maybe there would be room to move within that one. Like the um, the pony one that I was doing was sort of pretty open. It was just like, oh, we need costumes for the horses, you know, so people can unlock different things. Uh, so it sort of had a bit of free reign to just um, make up things in there. But then you might have tasks where it's like we need this specific gun and you have to make that and you've got pictures reference of it and you're like okay cool make that then there's not really any room to move within that yeah oh okay as simple as that is it oh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i don't know sometimes it's good when you get simple tasks like that and then yeah, yeah sometimes you get really complex ones that might take you like a week to figure out it's like oh how are we going to do this particular particle system like how are we going to make a waterfall or how are we going to make an explosion? Yeah. Mm. So uh, were there specific things that you found easier to grasp than others? Mm. So obviously, like, you used a waterfall uh, as opposed to, say, a gun. You know, like how, how long did it take you to really pick up uh, some of the more used things, like probably weaponry, because that's in a lot of games, mm. uh, as opposed to some weird, obscure object or thing, or yeah. alien of some sort. Yeah, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, a lot of artists usually end up uh, sort of picking particular things. Like I've gone towards like doing more environment art than characters. Mm. So I find it a lot more enjoyable and interesting to to make uh, sort of hard surface ones. So sort of making, you know, houses and things like that rather than organic um, like people. Or animals right i see so do you go do you do a lot of traveling and kind of take well take pictures obviously but a mental note as well mm. as if you were to try and take that and put it into an environment within a game yeah yeah i'm constantly like looking at like as soon as i go outside i'm just like oh that's a really cool stick and you get stuck looking at <laughs> something for ages um I'll take a lot of photos of like interesting textures as well, like, you know, tree bark or some like metal that's gone all rusted. You're like, oh, how would I recreate that? That's that's really cool. Right. So build up a bit of a library. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, say, for example, Australia has a lot of desert. Mm. So if you were going to make some desert-like environment, you could just reference the outback, I suppose, if, if you go out that way you could yeah it's a bit of a bit of a distance from here <laughs> yeah yeah a bit of a mission from where you are and yeah it would be i mean i wouldn't want to drive through there because if you if you break down or something then you're kind of screwed aren't you yeah i don't <laughs> want to go out there <laughs> i'm near a lot of forest here which is really nice there's a lot of forest and rivers nearby yeah so do you go out and just with a camera uh and kind of incorporate, say, a holiday or traveling into it, but you're actually going out there for work-based stuff? Yeah, all the time. Like, I will go and, yeah, take photos. Even over New Year's, 
um, I was out camping, but I took a sketchbook with me. So I'd just be sitting down like sketching trees and um, just sort of like uh, just looking at details and yeah, just sort mm. of taking it in. So you must have a massive filing cabinet or something of all your sketches and work that you've done that you can reference. <laughs> well, here's yeah, the stuff behind you. Pretty so much all stu- this cupboard behind me is just like <laughs> full of like, yeah, drawings and sketches and things. So what? So what's some of that, uh, what's it inspired by? Or um, some of the work lot, behind you? A lot of the ones on here, I do life drawing. Right. Oh, cool. Uh, so just to sort of keep my skills up and it's something really fun as well to do with other artists. Um, so about twice a week. Um, we'll do some life drawing. Yeah. And during the pandemic, we were doing it online because uh, we couldn't go anywhere. So, you yeah, know, we have a model posing online and you're in a Zoom room with uh, all the other artists and we'll draw together. Wouldn't that be difficult though? Because you're having to, I mean, obviously the closer you get to a screen, the more pixelated it gets as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, particularly if you're doing it via Zoom because, uh, I mean, I don't know, it depends on the plan, I guess, but it would be 720 or 1080 as opposed to 4K or seeing mm. it in real life with your own eyes. So is it still easy to do that stuff? Yeah, so um, a lot of the models had really good equipment at home, so they would have, like, quite good cameras and lighting. So I found that they were setting up, like, really good scenes as well. They would do, like, a whole backdrop and get really into it. Um and so because I've got uh, 4K screens here, I can see quite well. I've got quite a big screen. Um, so sometimes it's almost like you're closer to the model than if you did go to a live session and you were sitting at the back, like that would be quite far away. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it wasn't as like it's missing something from the from being in person, but it was still works really well, I think. Yeah. And it was still a good way to connect with people. And I think it kept me sane during the lockdowns, really. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. too. Yeah, because you guys were in a lo- lockdown for quite a long time. Oh, yeah, it was almost two years. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. And a lot of sketches. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and so I ended up, yeah, doing that a couple of times a week. And... Support for this episode of Kiwi Talks is brought to you by Manscaped, who offer precision engineering tools your family jewels and they just launched their newest product the fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 the best sleek optimized trimmer it's waterproof reduces ingrown hairs and if some idiot drives into a power transformer and the power goes out 4k led light baby 4k led light so you can still perform those groin duties even in the dark and on top of that we also have the weed whacker Have you ever been talking to someone and notice, hmm, they've got a really long hair coming out of their nostril? You won't have to have that problem because you can get all up in there with this. Get all up in those nostrils and even in the ears as well. This great product, the Weed Whacker, this great product, the Lawnmower, are available at manscaped.com. So all you need to do is go to manscaped.com and use the code KiwiTalks for 20% off plus free shipping. So with our character models, what what do you find the hardest to draw when you're drawing a character? Because I would think that hands would might be one of the hardest. Yeah, hands are real tricky. Um, I think yeah, the more drawing I do, I just try and focus on the the bits that I get stuck on each time. Like I was stuck on hands for a long time, so I would just spend time drawing them and trying to focus on that. 
uh, for me now it's feet. Right. So feet are just can- a weird shape. <laughs> <laughs> just like you draw it and it's just like it doesn't look right. <laughs> what is that? So can you go to your uh, manager or director or whoever, uh, your leader, and be like, hey, can we give this person shoes instead? <laughs> yeah, you just kind of work around it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so is it is it when you say feet is it the the toes or just the actual weird shape that feet usually are yeah just the whole just trying to get them right like because even when you get them right there's something just odd looking about them right you're just like is that right like <laughs> yeah 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 and of course you're having to sculpt it as well and the way it mm. lands on the on the ground and its movement i suppose as well yeah. So in terms of the the sculpting aspect, how long would something like that take just just moving a foot from here to here? How long does that usually take? Like in the animation or Yeah, yeah. So if it. you were trying to if you were trying to create a, a a movement of just this, like when you're animating yeah, so a, a character, how long how long would that take? Just a s- slight little movement. If you already had like um the character all rigged up, it wouldn't take very long. Yeah. Um, so once a character model has been finished, then it um, goes into the rigging process, which is when you put a skeleton inside the model. Yeah. Um, so then that skeleton will be able to drive for movement. So you can move the different bones and then keyframe them at different stages to make the animation. Right. Um, and is that just a simple matter? Of, well, it's not a simple matter, I'm sure. But <laughs> That's not moving, a simple one. <laughs> nothing simple with art, artistry. Uh, moving like the vertices and just uh, the actual object itself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's getting more into like I don't do animation myself. It's more sort of specialised to people that just do animation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the actual process of just being able to move something like say having all the vertices of the say a hand connected to this hand bone um just being able to move it that's super simple that's really quick you can just rotate it and be like oh hand moves but then the really long process is making it look believable so like an animator will go through and uh, usually they might have motion capture data like from an actor who's acted out that whole scene or you have to go through um, by hand and being like, okay, so I want to move it from here to here, but I want it to look nice and flowing. So I'm going to get that right. Or yeah, it could be, be quite tricky if you just move it and look wrong. Right. So yeah, you've got to spend that time. That must be, that must be so Making cool. It believable, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It must be so yeah. cool though. Like you do a, a, a drawing or of some kind, and then you see the final result later on once it's gone through the various different people like you might so you must hand it off um well probably not so much these days because you're doing more management now right you're managing mm. the, yeah, yeah but when you used to you, you'd hand it off to someone and then they'd take your original creation and make it blossom yeah so i i love that stage like even just when you see the first animation put on a character of them breathing uh, like just like an idol, you know, where they'd just be sort of moving. It's like, wow, they're alive. <laughs> like, that was just um, just nothing before. It was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you have do you have a specific project that's that that you like the most? Um, that you personally enjoyed the most? I think yeah, like the commercial projects that I've worked on. Uh, I really enjoyed Age of Empires. 
Was it there was, a specific reason? It was the biggest title that I'd worked on so far, I think. Like um, Zelda was pretty big, but then with Age of Empires, we've got the opportunity to just completely revamp it. So it's the same game, but we got to make the art look really good. So instead of just updating just the textures, it was like take everything and redo it from scratch. Uh, and that I felt we could really push the art then. It was really fun. Yeah. Because is that, is that more up to the uh, the original developer? They ask for that? Like with Age of Empires, they ask for that? Or did you pitch to do that? Uh, yeah, it was both. So, yeah, Microsoft sort of came to us saying, like, you know, so what's your ideas? And we put together a pitch for that. Um, we were using um, just Unreal Engine to do the pitch. We just did, like, a scene of, like, uh, his bunch of, like, military characters and some horses and a little, like, made a little scene and did a side-by-side -side of the old game. Right. So we picked, like, a, the same scenario. So we set up, like, here's some horses and guys next to a river. And here's what we could do. So we put like lots of fancy shaders on them, made the textures look really good, really nice lighting. And that was our pitch to them saying, if you let us do this, we'll make the game look like that. Wow. Okay. And um, how, how long was the development for that, Age of Empires? Uh, it's still going. <laughs> I'm still on it now. Uh, it's funny. I've actually gone off to another job for a year and come back and I'm back on it again. On your back on it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the initial one is probably two years, I think, for the main development. And then now it's um, in like DLCs and updates and things like that. So it's just like sort of constantly rolling now. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Because that, that's a completely different process, right? Age of Empires to say uh, Zelda Twilight Princess mm. where you're revamping the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so it must be more exciting because there's so much more for you to do. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more to do. And you, you can use a lot of like modern techniques as well. You don't have to rely on um, things that you were doing 10 years ago. It's like, oh, we can, we can really push things now. You know, you can get like... Um, the specular looking right. So like the metal and the helmets, you can get them looking nice and shiny or, you know, things like that. Um, we can have actual grass, like we had like moving grass in there. Uh, the original was just like flat green. Yeah. Yeah. So do you watch like a lot of, a lot of behind the scenes footage of say uh, visual effects companies or anything as well to kind of get inspiration? I mean, this stuff changes from year to year. Mm. As you said, because the industry is constantly changing, um, and with you know Unreal Engine five and uh, Unity, for example, so it must be so hard to stay on top of everything. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of info out there. Um, it is, yeah, it takes a lot of time. I think, like, yeah, I watch a lot of making offs, uh, a lot of making of film as well as games, like just to sort of see people's different process. And he's, he's a YouTube. I really like watching docos of um, film studios. Like there was no clip. Oh, uh, yes. Yep, yep. Yeah, I found them really interesting just to see, like, what's it actually like in another studio? How do they deal with things? And... Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked to quite a few people off, off air and uh, a number of other developers, and it just seems, yeah, every, every studio is different. Mm. It might be structured very differently. Um, 
and you have to be able to, I suppose, adapt to that work environment. Um, I mean, I'd imagine that an Australian studio would be very different to an American studio, um, just based on different cultures. And then you add in the actual different uh, programs and methods that they use. Mm. Um, yeah. But you said you went, you went and then you came back. Um, was the, was the process different when you moved between studios? Yeah, I find, yeah, pretty much all studios have been really different. Uh, uh, a lot of it just, yeah, depends on the personalities there, how many people, there could be so many different factors. Like I imagine there's probably a lot of similarities between companies um, here and in the States as well. It's probably just bigger. There's probably just more people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, a lot of the ones in Melbourne, I'm trying to think, like we've got some bigger ones here. Like we've just had uh, Sledgehammer. We've just started up here. Uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of small uh, companies here. You probably have like ones that have got like 50 people would sort of be the biggest. That's changing though, isn't it? I mean, a lot of, I mean, from what I can see, it seems like a lot of the industry is moving into Australia. Both in, I, both in video games and film um, as well. Yeah, film, because um, I, I worked in film for a while as well, making um, props so that have had a lot of um, experience there as well. Australia, yeah, it really fluctuates. Like a lot of it depends on the dollar as well. Like when it's cheaper to make things here, a lot of projects will get brought here. So we'll get a lot of outsourcing in games or we'll get like a lot of uh, companies want to make uh, movies here like marvel just made a whole bunch here up in queensland um oh so that's the reason for it right yeah so people yeah. are sort of always looking around for like oh we can there's a really good team there and it's cheap so we'll go there or um and so so uh the tax offset has just come in for games here which uh will hopefully be able to help a lot of companies grow here as well it means that um the government can give back 30% um, to film and games. Uh, sort of encourage like, the um, industry here a bit more. Yeah, yeah, so it can prosper. Yeah. Has it, been, has it been difficult to find staff, though, because of the pandemic? I mean, Melbourne was in lockdown for two years, so um, trying to recruit people would be difficult, I'm sure. Yeah, I spent the last year online. Like, I think, yeah, we're kind of lucky that it's a – job that can we can keep doing online mm. um, so I was actually recruiting a lot like I joined uh that company online so I didn't actually meet a lot of people it was uh all just wow. all, all just by zoom and yeah I was also recruiting the same way so I'd have zoom interviews with people and uh, yeah and have to onboard them to the company the same way like just like through zoom oh my gosh yeah, it makes it tricky, but yeah, there was no shortage of um, of talent here. Oh. I think yeah, we were probably the other way around. It's like yeah, it'd be good if there was more jobs around for for people here that are looking. Yeah, but like say if you needed a, a specific uh, expertise that maybe was not available in Australia, and you needed to hire someone from overseas. Mm. Um, that would become quite difficult, wouldn't it? I mean, that's that's 
that's just the pretty much the motto here in New yeah. Zealand. Um, but I I thought I understood that it was quite similar in Australia as well in terms of getting um, people through, particularly when the borders were closed. I'm not sure what the story is now. Yeah, it's it's still pretty tricky to travel here. Yeah. Uh, so the the company that I'm at now is really close. I'm only like 20 minutes away, so it's really easy. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I've been going back into the office just in the last month. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of companies here that are still uh, online. Like a lot of people are still a bit worried about traveling and being in big groups of people. So they'll do like um, a couple of days in the office and a couple at home or like uh, EA has offices here. They're still all at home. Everyone's still remote. Wow. Okay. Because now that you're more into a management type role, what is the most common mistake you think that you see with things that artists do? Um, most common mistake? Um, I guess a lot of it now is just about time management. Uh, so sort of uh, games will be on a very sort of tight schedule. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of things you've got to try and get done in a very short time. Uh, so it's just sort of like making sure that people can do those tasks in that time that they've been given to a good quality. Yeah, well, that's always the big problem, isn't it? Time management, mm. particularly when you don't know how long stuff is going to take and curveballs being thrown at you all the time, I'm sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And a pandemic as well. So I suppose that changes that changes the game quite dramatically. It sure does, yeah. And there's just, I think, like just a lot of different things to juggle because uh, like once you're at the, the management stage, you're sort of bringing all those pieces together. Mm. So rather than just working on like, oh, I'm just making this thing and then I hand it over here and someone does the rest. Now it's like, oh, I'm putting all those pieces together and talking to everyone and making sure that it can all line up. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. So sort of, yeah, depending on the size of the company, you know, like you might uh, have a meeting with the animators, find out what's going on there, and then you go and talk to someone else. And like, yeah, so you're passing a lot of information and making sure that um, once that task is done, it can roll on to the next person, you know, so you don't have people waiting or stuck, you know. Yeah, well, you'd probably want to make sure that there's not one person that can do one thing because otherwise if something happens to that person, then what happens? There's no one to do the specific task, right? So Yeah, which well, makes it really tricky control. in the small companies because you're like, well, we don't have much choice. There's only like, you know, two people. <laughs> you're the one that does that. So. <laughs> yeah, so how, how do you uh, negate that negate that problem? Yeah, in the in the smaller companies, you just have to have people that have uh, a bit more generalist, so they sort of like know a few more different skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose yeah, that's that's vital, I guess. Otherwise, the whole gaming development would just stall. Yeah, reach a standstill until that person was available. Yeah, yeah. So um, at this point in time, is there anything you haven't done in the industry or things that you haven't learned that you'd like to learn? Oh, probably heaps. <laughs> 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 I think, yeah, I'm like constantly learning. Like being being pretty new to management, uh, it's only been a couple of years. I think I'd still consider that. 
um, pretty new. Like I'm constantly watching talks with other people and um, be good to just sort of really push that. Um, I never used to be able to talk in front of um, people very well either. I used to be quite shy and so I'm always... Really? Thinking, yeah. Don't get uh, that at all. Probably couldn't have done this a year ago. You know, it was just that like, shy artist hiding in the corner. So it's just, yeah, so pushing my um, sort of people management skills a lot and learning a lot about the industry. Um, I'd love to travel as well. It'd be great to be able to work at some companies overseas. Um, so. Yeah, hopefully this pandemic's over soon. Yeah. So, so it makes it more feasible. Yeah, it's like, I don't think I'll be traveling for a while, but yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, if the world like settles down a bit, it would be really nice. Like, yeah, I'd love to go learn from different people. And Yeah. Is there a specific gaming franchise you'd like to work on? Um, no, I think I just, I just really want the experience of like just sort of different types of, of games and like. Um, see how different studios work like uh, going to Europe would be really interesting I think um, so I just sort of been researching some different companies over there like, like oh you know what what's it like over there you know yeah is it because I would think there's a lot of movement between artists on a game right so they might uh, work at one studio on one game and then they'll move to another studio and that's what they kind of do or is it common um, for an artist to stay at one specific studio yeah it's usually pretty common to stay like yeah once people are happy they're sort of like yeah i'm just gonna stay i'm just gonna here. coast I'm... this yeah yeah it's like <laughs> i know what i'm doing people are good staying here like, yeah. <laughs> i suppose yeah it makes it easier right yeah mm. yeah 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 people usually only move if it's like yeah there's something that's sort of really not working or not gelling then yeah 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 well hey um I will wrap up there. This has been great. Thanks for taking time out and chatting. If anyone wants to keep up to date with any work that you're doing, is there anywhere they can do that? Uh, yeah, uh, LinkedIn is good. And I put personal stuff on Instagram, like drawings and things like that. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Is that daily? Daily. Daily, uh, do you post up? Maybe every couple of days. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Nice, nice. What's what's actually what's the the longest part like coloring or the actual drawing itself in terms of those two aspects? Uh, that does that does change a lot. Um, probably the like the painting. I think the sketches are usually quite quick, and then you spend a lot of time refining the sort of painting and yeah, making like all the polish and all the final details. Yeah, interesting stuff. I feel like I've. Gained a lot of knowledge and I could become an artist now. <laughs> it's just uh, many, many hours of practice. Easy, yeah. right? Just, just constantly practice. Repetition. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, that is the show, everyone. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. And uh, until next time, stay safe. Bye.